This podcast is brought to you by AG3D Printing, bringing your ideas to reality. You know, 3D printing is here. This is the 21st century, so why not jump into it? Check us out at ag3d-printing.com and on Instagram at ag3dprinting. Uh, For all your 3D printing needs, whether you have a design, whether you want to find a design, or if you want to hire me to help you make a design, we can do all that here for you. Um, you know, it's, it's, we're trying to bring 3d printing into your hands. So, uh, check us out, uh, to find out some ideas of what 3d printing really is. Or if you're a college student and you've got projects coming up, finals are coming here. You know, Christmas is, the holidays are coming, which means that finals are coming, which means that the labs at the colleges are going to be filled up with, um, kids doing their own projects. If your lab is full, reach out to AG3D Printing. We're offering 25% off for any college student. So reach out to us. We'll help you out, and we'll help you get that A that you're looking for in that class. All right? Let's go kick some ass. So uh, also, (laughs) if you want to support the podcast, uh, please go to our Amazon link. Do your shopping through there. You know, holidays are coming up. Uh, Would really appreciate you guys doing your shopping through our link. Amazon kicks us back a little bit of for you shopping there. And of course, it costs you nothing. And that's about it. Let's get into this week's show. We're going to talk about the anomaly in the third stage of progress. The progress 65 module um, that had an anomaly. And we're going to catch up on uh, what the first week at AG3D full time was like. Let's do it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome back to Today in Space. I am your host, Alex G. Orfanos, and we have some science updates for you uh, in the orbital world this week. So we're going to start off with an orbital news update, and there was some calamity this week. So there was an anomaly, a third stage anomaly. Pretty similar to just what happens in your headphones. Sorry, I got excited and I moved the chair closer to the table. But it was a third stage anomaly during the Progress 65 launch out of Balkan or Kazakhstan. So a Russian proton rocket launched a Progress 65 spacecraft that was going to resupply the International Space Station. Uh, It was carrying 2.6 tons of food, fuel, and supplies for Expedition 50. That's on board right now. 382 seconds into flight, the data stopped coming back. They were getting ratty data, as one uh, website put it. So they didn't know what happened during the third stage. And the radar stations, which I thought this was pretty interesting... Uh, they set up radar stations to check, uh, you know, wherever they calculate they should be in orbit. They have these radio stations checking that area to, to you know, get feedback that the spacecraft is actually there. It's kind of a backup system that goes back to the old ways 
we used to actually put people in orbit, which is crazy. We'll get into that in a second. But the radar stations were checking the calculated orbit. There was nothing there. What ended up happening was there seemed to be some kind of glitch in the third stage. The engine didn't fire, and the Progress 65 capsule and the third stage ended up tumbling back into the atmosphere because it didn't get enough speed to be perpetually falling, and most of the spacecraft ended up disintegrating, coming back into the dense atmosphere. And it blew up uh, and crashed somewhere over, I believe it was Siberia. So uh, an unfortunate event, I mean... Any time that any kind of supplies don't make it to the ISS, it's definitely a concerning thing. This time, it's definitely not, you know, a a dire situation. There is another launch uh, happening, I believe, yep, it'll be December 9th. Uh, it's the HTV-6 mission. Uh, the Japan uh, Space Agency will be launching that one. Uh, and that one will be bringing supplies. So, uh, it's not do-or-die situation here. The crew is fine. Uh, the International Space Station has enough consumables. They they will all be fine. Uh, and, you know, the spacecraft never made it into orbit that it would be, a, you know, some kind of debris issue. So you don't have to worry about that. Uh, you know, the thing that it does bring up, uh, once again, is that space is hard. It is difficult. Uh, there's, it's, I think, <laughs> a wonder that we are successful as, as often as we are. But at the same time, it does cost money. You know, I, I'm definitely uh, waiting to see the number on what losing a mission like this actually is like. And I, I think we'll find it from from some space insurance agent who insures these things because it would be really interesting to find out. Do they really insure missions? I mean, I don't know, from just an outside perspective, it seems like a lot of risk. Could you even... God, what would that premium be like? That would be insane. But it just goes back to show you that, you know, I think it's a good thing. Let's start there. I think it's a good thing. Um, It's never a good thing when people lose craft, but uh, as far as the playing field of space goes... Um, I feel like this kind of evens that out a little bit. Uh, if it was only the U.S. that were having issues, you know, I mean, we had uh, the last SpaceX mission fail on the launch pad. Uh, Orbital ATK uh, is back in the game, but they were out for a while because they lost one. But now with Roscosmos having their issue with the Progress 65, uh, I think it's just a it's a solid reminder to... Everybody, not just the scientific community, they know how hard it is, but uh, to the world, to humankind, I think it's a good reminder that this is difficult and it's not just, you know, oh, you know, the U.S. You know, is losing their grip. It's like, no, 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 it's, it's still hard. But there definitely was an interesting question brought up. I found an article on the Planetary Society's website by Jason Davis entitled, What's the Matter with Russia's Rockets?, And he does some calculations in there that I found really, really interesting. There's been 15 failures of Russian rockets in the last six years. And all but two were related to the upper stages. So, I mean, this is showing all the 
colors of being a systemic issue. So we we got to start figuring out, all right, what's what's going on here? You know, what what's what is going on if it's the last 6 years? Is it an operational problem? Is there an issue with the upkeep? Are they, you know, are are these I'm not even sure are, are the proton systems are they still being built? A question we'll have to answer later, but it's definitely something we've got to pay attention to, especially since you know, the U.S.'s dependence on Russia's systems to get into space. You know, we are paying per seat to get to the International Space Station. So, you know, this, hopefully they'll, they'll be able to figure it out and everything will be fine. And Russia will still have a very reliable system for going into orbit and getting into space and, and bringing supplies to, to, you know, the orbit where space stations are. But... For the U.S., it definitely gives more fire and fuel to SpaceX and to Boeing that are creating the next generation commercial crafts so that we can then launch again from American soil. So uh, for good or bad, this is definitely a reminder to everybody that not only is space hard, but, you know, if we lose the proton system for whatever reason, it's not there. Uh, but just looking forward, looking forward, the uncertainty in such a high-risk uh, mission, you know, really is giving uh, the opportunity and the chance to SpaceX and Boeing to really capitalize and excel. And it's good for us that you know our private. They're, they're going to be paying more attention to the private sector in the U.S. And th- like I said, now's their time to shine. So well, we're looking forward. It, it, it's, it's all looking good. It's a matter of, you know, what are the next steps? Uh, hopefully Roscosmos can figure out whatever's going on with their third stage. The HTV-6 mission that's launching December 9th will go well. So that Expedition 50 will have all the consumables that they need on board, supplies, uh, new... Uh, scientific experiments and I actually think they're bringing up uh, more uh, batteries to replace the old so they're bringing up lithium ions to break to replace the old nickel hydrogen batteries Uh, so that's huge Uh, upgrading the power systems for the future so that I can last uh, as long as I can in space and you know, I heard rumors that uh, SpaceX is coming back uh, to launch sometime this month. I heard good word, I think, towards the middle of the month, December 15th, 16th, 17th, somewhere in that range. So uh, we'll be back in action with them, and hopefully we'll be able to focus on the future of American spaceflight from American soil. And I uh, wish Roscosmos and everyone involved uh, good luck on figuring out what's going on with their uh, rockets. If there is a systemic problem, which it seems like there is, um, let's get that figured out. Let's make sure that we have competition. You know, uh, competition is good. It keeps everyone on their toes and advancing forward. So, uh, like I said, good luck to them. And let's figure this out and move forward and farther into space. <laughs> So this week on Earth, uh, Buzz Aldrin was in the news, Dr. Buzz Aldrin. Uh, He was traveling to Antarctica to do research where 
the scientists down there and himself are they're experiencing similar conditions to Mars. So he was going down to speak to the scientists to kind of gain his perspective because he's been at the forefront of really getting the message of going to Mars out there. And I, I mean, who better to lead the charge to go to another planet than someone who stepped foot, one of the first to step foot on another planetary surface? So, uh, although I guess it's a satellite surface, but regardless, uh, another surface that's in space other than Earth. So, he was in the news because uh, he actually uh, ended up getting fluid in his lungs. Uh, I guess uh, part of it, his oxygen levels were low and he was experiencing altitude sickness, but he was cleared to go before, and for whatever reason, he was getting fluid in his lungs, so he had to be aired out to New Zealand. So shout out, New Zealand. Roger Heaps, what's up? Uh, you guys are taking care of the great human being that is Buzz Aldrin. He's doing fine. Uh, they're, they're doing great. He's going to be coming back to the U.S. as soon as he rests up so that he can make the long flight back to the States. And I'll just read a quote from him from his website, Buzz Aldrin. Dot com from Saturday, December 3rd. I'm extremely grateful to the National Science Foundation for their swift response and help in evacuating me from the Admonson Scott Science Station to McMurdo Station and onto New Zealand. I had been having a great time with the group at White Desert's camp before we ventured further south. I really enjoyed the time I spent talking with the Science Station staff too said Balz Aldrin from his hospital room. I started to feel a little bit short of breath, so the staff decided to check my vitals. After some examination, they noticed congestion in my lungs and that my oxygen levels were low, which indicated symptoms of altitude sickness. This prompted them to get me out on the next flight to McMurdo, and once I was at sea level, I began to feel much better. I didn't get as much time to spend with the scientists as I would have liked to discuss the research they're doing in relation to Mars. My visit was cut short, and I had to leave after a couple of hours. I really enjoyed my short time in Antarctica and seeing what life could be like on Mars. And finally, thanks to everyone from around the world for their well wishes and support. I'm being very well looked after in Christchurch. I'm looking forward to getting home soon to spend Christmas with my family and to continue my quest for cycling pathways and a permanent settlement on Mars. You ain't seen nothing yet. Concluded Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> I love this guy. And uh, Christina Corp, who is the uh, manager and mission control director uh, for Dr. Buzz Aldrin, uh, <laughs> she said, I just told Buzz that the uh, NSF said he now holds the record as the oldest person to reach the South Pole. Uh, he'll be insufferable now. <laughs> so... Uh, good on you, Buzz. You're uh, one hell of a guy, one hell of a human being. So in this week's 3D printing update, we're talking about the first week uh, that I've been doing this full-time with AG3D. You know, last week I told you guys I am now officially full-time working for myself. I'm a self-employed person. We're doing both... Uh, the podcast and AG3D printing full time. So, wow, what a crazy week! Uh, I I don't, I don't even know where to start. I mean, really, it was a very very productive week. Every day 
I was up early, was excited to get up, and there was lots of things to do. Uh, Things that I've had on lists for probably six months, things that I, I couldn't get to, and I am shocked at the amount of work that I got done in one week. It's really... Uh, kind of shy. like I can't believe we we talked last week, like that this this podcast is only a week later from the one before. <laughs> it feels like it's been months. Uh, I've just been elbow deep, knee deep in all of this. You know, one of the big things that was really reassuring was my procedures from start to finish. You know, from starting a print to ending a print. They're right. And I was able to, you know, from Monday pretty much through this weekend up until while I'm recording with you guys, was able to print every moment that I had the chance. And we're talking, you know, uh, four or five prints a day uh, and really just getting that printer to run as often as I can, which is a big deal because, you know, we got to be able to handle a high volume of work. You know, the idea with having any kind of machine like this in in, in manufacturing is the bread and butter point, the, uh, you know, the real profit margin. You know, the place you want to be for taking in work is that that machine is running 24-7. And I was able to run my printer and get it going. Uh, I did learn a few things. Towards the end of the week, it got a little hairy. Um, I had another jam in my printer, which was, it it looked like the exact same uh, problem that happened before. I I talked to you guys about it before, where um, I actually had to get a new nozzle, because for whatever reason, uh, the the last nozzle just went down. I'm not even sure still what happened, but I was a little anxious. I mean, it, I, I, I definitely was like gearing up for battle because I was like, this is the same thing that took me down last time. So, you know, I gotta, you know, I really gotta make sure that I, I get this right. And it's funny. I, I don't know why I got so amped up about it, but it's because I care. It's I, you know, I didn't want the printer to be down. I didn't want to um, ruin it. But you know, you 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 grow each time. And I mean, you know, the, the procedures I wrote last time to make sure this wouldn't happen again worked. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just, uh, so happy that, you know, the, the little things that, uh, I'm leaving for myself to work on it the next time, those things are working. That's a huge sigh of relief. Uh, another thing that was really great about this week has been that I could tell, my motivation is good. I can tell that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm pushing myself to do things that are kind of uncomfortable, that are kind of out of my, uh, zone of, you know, being like, oh yeah, I know how to do that. Uh, that's been really good. And the only thing that I, I felt like I really had trouble with this week was fine, not finding time, but really getting myself to be productive, sit down for half an hour to do some, uh, some writing for a blog post or anything like that. It's, uh, that was probably the most challenging thing. So this week I'm going to push myself again to, to make sure that I just pick a time. So it's not this open-ended writing thing, because for those of you who are new, um, I don't, I've 
historically not liked writing. Um, ironically, uh, one of the things I told myself <laughs> when I was going to engineering school was, oh, great, I don't have to take English uh, or write papers. And boy, was I wrong. But, you know, there's there's just a weird thing. I don't know what it is with writing. And it's not like writers don't have this problem, but uh, it's something I need to push myself to be better at. And that's part of whole, this whole journey is is putting myself in uncomfortable places and finding a way out of it and succeeding at it. So uh, we'll keep up keep updating you guys with that. And finally, uh, this week, December third was three D printing Saturday, and what I wanted to do to celebrate the occasion was release some of the designs that I got to this week. Uh, you know, like I was saying, it's a very productive week, and I was able to actually t- get six designs done, which is uh, based on my last schedule with working a full-time job and then doing this on the side, unheard of. That, that uh, Getting one done in one night would have been amazing, but, you know, being able to get six done was incredible. And they're really simple things. They're not complicated. Uh, they're just They're just things I was... You know, now that I'm doing this full time, I need places, you know, all the tools that I use, there needs to be a place. It it goes back to the philosophy that I learned when I was in manufacturing. Uh, it's about lean. And really, it, it at the core of it, it's about eliminating waste uh, and making sure that you're only doing things that are adding value. So for me, every single time I'm, I'm using time to go find uh, the glue stick, that I need to use so that the part sticks to the bed or the cleaning supplies that I need to clean the nozzle to make sure that the nozzle doesn't uh, clog up. The LED controller for my uh, 3D box to change the color or to make sure the light looks different uh, or bring it back to white so that I can actually do some some checking out of the machine. Uh, what else? Uh, the The part that I use to remove the part from the machine, the part spatula, there's a blue tape holder. You use blue painter's tape for PLA to help it adhere to the bed better. Like, all those things needed a place. They needed a, a home, if you will. Uh, so that way I know where they are, and if it's not where it's supposed to be held, I know it's missing. So it's gonna. it just saves me time to focus on more productive things. So I made those designs for myself, and since it was 3D printing day, I decided why not to share it with everybody else. You know, they're they're just great tools to have. That if you're 3D printing, they helped me, and I hope it helps you. So if you are a 3D printer, um, or if you ever get into 3D printing, those tools are those tool holders are available. Uh, they're on uh, Thingiverse on my page, 83D Printing, and if you go to uh, on Twitter at AG3D Printing, or if you go on our Instagram at AG3D Printing, one of those posts will have a link to those parts. Um, and that's one of the cool things about 3D printing, for those that don't know, is there's a really big open source movement with 3D printing, um, especially on the consumer level, which if you're someone that wants to get into 3D printing is the level that you're going to get into it. On the professional side, it's not so much. Uh, mostly because the software that runs that stuff is usually, you know, a, a pay service because it can do a lot more. Um, but for just the everyday person that's getting into 3D printing, there's a lot of stuff out there for you that's free. Uh, the 3D printing conferences that I go to that I've talked about before uh, is run by GrabCAD. It's set up by them. Uh, GrabCAD's a great place. I found it in college. Uh, GrabCAD's a 
great source for 3D models. Uh, another place I go to, I mentioned before, is Thingiverse, which is where I put these parts up first. Um, they're just places where designers go up, put their designs. It's, it's a place to get exposure. And, you know, it's a place to share ideas. But um, it also makes selling your own designs uh, <laughs> a little bit different because if if the market starts off giving designs away for free, then it's really tough for someone to um, just start charging for designs. You know, it's, and I'm not downgrading it at all. I'm just making an observation that, you know, um, if someone were to um, do something that's not akin to the market, they would have to, um, you know, basically the starting point is free. So, you know, there's really no, I could, I, I don't think there'd be any kind of premium for selling designs. Now, there are websites out there that you could sell your own designs. Um, there's actually one uh, that I'm on right now is uh, Shapeways, uh, which is a place where you put up your 3D design, they print it for you, and someone can buy it. So there's different options out there for people who are designers who want to get into 3D printing or want to design for 3D printing. There's a lot of stuff out there. Uh, which brings me to another update for this week. Like I said, a lot going on. Um, I uh, went through certifications for my printer to make sure that I could get on to uh, three different uh, website services that offer 3D printing, and people can order 3D prints from me personally, So and AG3D. So the first one was 3D Hubs, which uh, is probably one of my favorites, uh, it's very easy to use. It looks great, and they have some nice uh, tools for you to use, basically making it extremely easy for someone to upload their 3D model and make an order right away. So I got certified for that one, and I also got certified for TreatStock, which is another great service. And they both offer tools so that you can order uh, from me personally anywhere. You know, anywhere that you can download or upload a file. And the last one is makexyz.com, which is actually the first thing that got me into 3D printing. Um, it was a service that I found. Uh, it was very simple. It's very, very simple. And you just upload it, and it gets sent out to someone that's got a 3D printer. That's pre pretty much what it is. If you have a 3D printer, you can put it to work. That's what these websites are for. So... Uh, that's one of the big things that got done this week that is like a huge weight off the shoulders that it's finished. So, um, you know, now if you want to order from AG3D Printing, you can go to our website at ag3d-printing.com or you can go to our hubs at 3D Hubs, TreatStock, or Make XYZ. All of those will be on the website. If you go to our Instagram page, all that stuff is up there. Um, and it's just making it easier, more accessible for everybody to get their ideas made into reality. So that about does it for this week. Uh, we've got a lot to catch up on next week and uh, can't wait to talk to you guys about it. This is crazy that it's only been a week. It feels so fulfilling and so amazing. So thank you for listening. And this has been the AG3D printing update. Okay, so that about does it. We're doing a little bit shorter this week, about 30 minutes. So thank you for listening. 
Uh, I'd like to close out by uh, telling you guys to check out Peggy Whitson. She's on the ISS now with Expedition uh, 50, and I was watching her do a pretty interesting uh, run-through for the scientists back on Earth to show them, and I think it was the, the, the surgeons, that uh, is a process to get air bubbles out of the IV bags that if someone needs to use one on board, you know, in gra- in anti... No, in anti-gravity. In <laughs> microgravity. It's, it's been a long week. In microgravity, uh, air bubbles form in liquids. Uh, don't think we know 100% why, but they do. And with an IV, obviously... You don't want to have air bubbles. So on Earth, it's pretty simple. You know, you just spin the bag up and you know, the bubbles are going to rise to the top. They go against gravity. But when you don't have any gravity, you know, how do you get them out? You know, there's no, you can't just turn it one way and then the bubbles go somewhere else. So what Peggy was doing was spinning while she was floating, spinning around, basically using... Um, the, the centrifugal force, which is not an actual force, but <laughs> she's using uh, the force that happens from spinning to push those bubbles towards the end so that they could be vented out. So uh, that was pretty cool. So this, and I guess it's supposed to be like, they're supposed to be jam-packed this next week or as it's already happening now, they're jam-packed with over 70 hours of experience, experiments. So, wow, it's been a long week. My mouth is mush. I apologize. But check them out. Uh, check, if you want to keep up to date, check me out on Twitter at El Greco, E-L-G-R-3-C-O, or on Facebook at Today in Space Podcast. You can also catch all that stuff at todayinspace.net. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We're going to check in next week for more on what's going on in space, more on what's going on with AG3D printing as we move further and further into the crazy unknown of a startup. So stick with me. We're going to get there. Uh, It's going to be a little uh, all over the place, uh, maybe next week and the next week. But uh, I'm just slowly getting together what I need to do on a weekly basis for not only today in space, but for AG3D. So thank you, everybody. I love all of you. Uh, Keep spreading the word, uh, whether it's 3D printing or space. Tell your friends about me. Love all y'all. Have a great week, okay? Spread love and spread science.